Ghost of Radio, Episode 6, Podcast. We're here. We're ready to do this, to listen to some more good old, hopefully good, definitely old, mid-century horror radio. So let's hit the cauldron and see what we pull out. Ah, the static of old-time radio. What do we got? Oh, ho, ho, ho. Okay, we've got... My Beloved Must Die on The Sealed Book. The show is The Sealed Book. The episode is My Beloved Must Die. I'm not going to say one word about what this is filed under. The spoils don't begin now. The spoils begin later. So go listen to My Beloved Must Die, then come back here to your ghost of radio, where we will have a thorough examination of this artifact. Off you go. See you soon. Why listen to me give an intro when you can listen to the keeper of the sealed book? The sealed book. Again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah. The strange story of a handsome and mysterious man who, wherever he went, caused fear and grief. A tale titled, My Beloved Must Die. Hey, that's not a bad intro. I like the intro to the sealed book. They do the same thing every time, and while it is laboriously long, it's pretty good at establishing some atmosphere and so we are introduced to this tale i'm going to be straight up with you i'm not going to do any time wasting this is a return to the theme we discussed in the devil's workshop where a woman has fallen in love with the actual devil men could fall in love with evil women in these shows but it was never that the devil was the woman was actually the devil but it's a theme that you see a few times in these horror radio shows. So let's jump right into this, shall we? Because we got a lot of satanic courtship to get through. Let's get our intro. Our story begins in a large, smartly furnished apartment. Beautiful Joan Sanders sits at a desk, a pen in her hand. Her face is white and tense as she begins to write. Dear Mr. Rand, as you have long been a friend of the family, 
I'm writing this letter to you so that you may know why I'm going to do what I must. I suppose it all began that afternoon two months ago when Millie returned from her vacation. Oh, Joan, I had a wonderful time. Everything was just perfect. And, Joan, I met a man. Oh, no wonder everything was perfect. Oh, Joan, just wait until you meet him. His name is Victor Duval. Oh, tell me about him. Well, uh, to begin with, he's 32 years old, a little over six feet tall, very broad-shouldered, mm -hmm. dark-complected, and has the most beautiful black eyes I've ever seen. Oh, really, Joan, he's handsome enough to be a Hollywood star. But, Millie, what about Frank? Have you forgotten you're engaged to him? Look who's asking. So you get home from your vacation and you talk about the hot guy you met. And your sister's like, of course you met a man. That's what makes it fun. Rock on, girl. And then talks to you about how you're engaged to somebody else. Needless to say, the tall, dark guy with the black eyes, he is actually Satan. And so it's bad news for the fiancé, who we get the feeling is going to be overthrown. It's just the way of the Satan dating world. Frank doesn't stand a chance, especially with the lovely Joan continuing to advise Millie that she should continue to get it on with Victor while not breaking it off with Frank, because that would be cruel. Promise me, Millie, that until that time, you won't break off with Frank. All right, Joan. I promise. Good. Oh, my goodness. It's five o'clock already. Have you got a date? Yes, Victor's calling for me at six. We're having dinner together and then going to the theater. Oh, Joan, I was never so happy in all my life. First of all, I thought she met Victor on vacation. So how is it that he's coming to pick her up at six o'clock? Was she going on vacation in the, on the other side of town or something? Apparently this was not a lengthy trip. So inevitably Victor shows up and he puts on the heavy-duty devil schmooze right away. You must be Joan, Millie's sister. Yes. And of course you're Victor. Uh, come in, won't you? Thank you. Uh, Millie isn't quite finished dressing. You'll forgive me for staring, but I didn't believe anyone could be as beautiful as Millie mm. until you opened that door. Long pause. You're very kind. Oh, here are some flowers I brought for you. For me? Yes. Frankly, I want Millie's sister to like me. Hello, Victor. Oh, Millie. Millie. Oh, yeah, you. Millie, you're a vision of loveliness in that white gown. Again, I have to wonder what I always wonder, which is, if you're really Satan, why do you have to go through all this penny any rigmarole with Earth women? You know, did he have to stop at some crappy little florist to get the flowers for Joan, or did he conjure them up like an evil magician outside the door? He's got a lot of time on his hands. I mean, maybe Satan's minions really do most of the work, but his interest in going through the motions of respectable dating with women, whether it's uh, from the Devil's Workshop or My Beloved Must Die, I don't know, maybe he just does it for the love of it. He loves the game. I hope so, because... He's going to spend a lot of time dating Millie. And you know that that's not easy. Millie's not somebody, I don't know. I don't know how physical it gets, I'm going to be honest with you. But I don't think he's dating Millie for her conversation. And now the plot thickens when Frank shows up. Later that evening, the doorbell rang. 
I opened the door to find Frank there. Hello, Frank. Can I see Millie a moment, Joan? Well, she isn't here. She's gone out for the evening. Gone out? With Deval? He knows about it? Yes. So that's why she refused to see me tonight. Might have mm. known it. What do you think of Deval? Wow. Well, I, it's pretty accepting. I only saw him for a few minutes. He, he seems very nice. You women are all alike. Frank's got it all going on. He sounds like he's 80 years old, even though Millie complained that he was young and immature. He's got a really grainy heck voice, and he seems to have laid down right away with the fact that uh, his fiance is seeing somebody else. Not even that it has to be the devil, just anybody else. And then his impotence. Like, oh gosh, you, you gosh darn women. <laughs> You're just the worst. <laughs> I'm starting to root for Victor at this point. And so we plow relentlessly forward in time after Joan describes how Victor is taking Millie out to plays and dances and all the barn raisings in the county and turning her into a wild woman. And the dogged Frank shows up again. Suppose Millie's out with the Val as usual. Yes, she is. He's really putting up with this. Frank, I'm worried. So terribly worried about her. Oh. So at last you're beginning to realize that the Val isn't just an, another man. I'm reading these lines. There might be something to what I told you. Yes. Well, you have good reason to worry about the Val. What do you mean? I don't know who the Val is or where he came from. But in the short time we've known him, he's ruined several people we know and has broken up more than one home. Frank, what are you saying? You didn't know that our friend of Val is a gambler of the wildest type, did you? No. Does Frank know? A few nights ago, he won $40,000 from Dan Richards. That ruined Richards and broke up his home. Oh, how can Joan Dan. not know this? And his wife, Helen. She knows them both. Yes, and speaking of wives, did you know that Doris Anderson has filed suit for divorce? Doris Anderson? Yes. It seems that one night DeVal was dancing with Doris, and he said to her, what a pity you're married. Now Doris is in Reno. Oh, Frank, it, it, it just doesn't seem possible that anyone could want to do such things. Joan knows there are only a few things that DeVal has caused. Joan needs to get out of the house more. How can stick, pokey, old Frank, 100-year-old Frank, know all of these intimate details and Joan doesn't know any of them when they are allegedly about her friends? And if they are in some small southern town like they seem to be, you'd think that word would get around pretty quickly. Frank is just mad enough that he decides he's going to stay there at the apartment and wait for Millie and Satan to get back from their date so he can have it out with his rival. The hours slipped by as Frank and Joan awaited the homecoming of Millie and her escort, Victor Deval. A little after 3 a.m., the door to the apartment was quietly opened, and Millie slipped in, followed by Victor. He walks her to the door. Why, Joan, I didn't expect to find... Frank, what are you doing here at 3 o'clock in the morning? Look who's outraged. time you and I had a little talk, Millie. Frank, you're not going to lecture me, are you? Millie, you must listen to me. Can't I'm 80 you see years what old. doing to you? He's making you cold and cynical like himself. There's something evil about him. I'm standing right here. Eagerness to create trouble to see people unhappy. One time you would have Hello, despised him. Hello, my friend. Him. I am standing here. You've changed. You've, you've become like him. Oh, really, Frank? You're going too far. Millie, you know I love you. I'm only saying this for your own good. I'm tired of your constantly interfering in my life. I think our engagement's a mistake. Millie, what, what are you saying? Millie, you don't mean that. Are you freaking me? These people are still engaged? <laughs> I 
I would have thought it was off by now. You know, I would have thought maybe Millie had called it off, if not Frank. That's hilarious that they are all so surprised. (laughs) Maybe this is just Victor's way of causing more grief, like he's been telling Millie not to break it off, just to string Frank along. (laughs) But (laughs) I feel like that was not the surprise that it was meant to be. At this point, we as the listening audience are weighing our futures here. Is there a chance that this is going to get scary? We're pinning all of our hopes now on some kind of horrible twist ending. And the idea is kind of unformed in our heads. We're not exactly sure what we're looking for, but just something. I mean, there are options. What? It could be that Millie kills Joan. It could be that Joan kills Millie. It could be that the devil seduces Joan. Wouldn't it be cool if the devil seduced Frank? Or turned Frank into another devil who went after Joan? I mean, I'm writing the story. They didn't take the trouble to write a good story, so I'm trying to do that work. As a ghost, I would have to haunt the author of this story who did not do a fantastic job. But let's just go back to the story we're given and see what happens to Frank when he confronts Victor. Morning, Joan. Anything in the morning, please? Joan, what's wrong? You're so pale. Millie, Frank was killed early this morning. Who? Driving home. Killed? Yes. The paper says he ran off the road while traveling at a fast speed. And hit a telephone pole. Oh, it's dreadful. He's so young. He was? Joan, why are you looking at me like that? You think it was my fault that he was speeding and ran off the road, don't you? Go ahead, say it. Your fault? I don't know. Somehow I keep thinking it was Victor's fault. We were all so happy contented until he ended our lives. You haven't any right to talk about Victor like that. You know I love him. Oh, he's cast a spell over you as he has over so many others. And in the end, it can only lead to disaster for you as it has for Frank. Victor's evil, I know that Stop saying that, do you hear? Stop saying that. He isn't evil, and I'll never give him up. We notice that Frank never had it out with Victor. After all, he talked with Millie, she dumped him, and he left after warning her that he would only, Victor would only bring her evil. So was Victor standing on the side of the road and then he thumbed a ride and forced Frank off the road? I don't know. It's the kind of thing he would make time for. But I don't know. I think Frank just probably drove off the road. He is pretty old and he was up pretty late. He probably fell asleep at the wheel. At this point, we have to ask ourselves, If Victor is so powerfully attractive and can exert the spell that Joan talks about, why hasn't Joan fallen under that spell? Joan sees him all the time, and he was coming on to her the first time he came to the house, and she seemed pretty impacted by it. So why is Joan still free from this powerful attraction? Uh, I guess we're going to find out what happens if she wasn't. During the weeks that followed Frank's death, I scarcely saw Millie. I sensed that she was avoiding me, afraid of the accusation she imagined she saw in my eyes. Imagined? I knew that she was still seeing Victor every night. I began to hear stories from a dozen sources about the two of them and the life that Millie was leading. And she's still living at home? Time went by, Victor became involved in one scandal after another. And Millie with him. Yet. One night I went to his home determined to have it out with him. 
So Millie is seeing the devil every night, all night long, coming home after dawn, and she's still living at home with Joan? (sighs) I mean, either it really takes a lot for the devil to invite you to live with him, or, I don't know, maybe he just is really kind of an old-fashioned guy. You would have thought Millie wouldn't want to live at home anymore with Joan. Uh, It's not making a lot of sense, so let's just skip that and get down to her business with Victor. Predictably, it's the old thing of Joan going to him and saying, you're terrible and I want you to leave Millie alone forever. And him saying, are you not perhaps jealous, Joan? Because you love me? And then uh, maybe a full minute of, no, I'll never love you. But I think you do. That I will just cut to the chase of and show you the ending of. Dreamed of my taking you in my arms like this. You've hated yourself for it. Victor, Victor, let go of me. You do love me, don't you? No. No, I don't love you. Do you hear? I, I don't. Now tell me you don't love me. Oh, darling. There's a real Pepe Le Pew vibe going on there. Remember Pepe Le Pew, who would always encounter some cat? He was a skunk, and he would find some black cat that somehow had white paint spilled down her back and think it was a lady skunk and pursue her all through the cartoon. But, of course, she didn't want to be with the skunk. And he would constantly be doing exactly what Victor did there. I know that you love me, my darling. Where are you going, my darling? Why do you run away? Oh, you are playing hard to get. That's what I thought of. And guess what isn't horrifying? Pepe Le Pew. You're losing me, sealed book. Okay, now it's the step that we've kind of not been talking about, that step too far that begins when she goes to talk with Victor, which is that nasty old sexism fail of of course women will say they hate somebody but they actually love them no means yes women love men who hurt them and do the wrong thing they just do hate is love love is hate it's like a 1984 thing we may get to if i can bear it an episode later on that says this explicitly i mean there are a few that say it explicitly When you love somebody intensely, it is exactly the same thing as hating them. That doesn't sound healthy. That doesn't sound good. Uh, It's neither of those things. And that's the real Satan in this story. Uh, Let's just get to the end. So I won't play you the scene where Millie finds them making out and kills herself. It's pretty predictable. I think we all know what's going to happen there. Suffice it to say, it's complete plot hole that supposedly dating the devil has made Millie hard and cold and cynical. Yet she totally falls apart when he find, she finds the devil getting it on with Joan. Why? Why isn't she hard and cold and cynical about it? She says, oh, I've found him with plenty of other women before. This isn't the first time. So, you know, if you were really exposed to the devil that long, you think you wouldn't care. Maybe you'd suggest... You know, well, at any rate, I'm a little surprised that Millie cares that much. But care she does, and so she goes in the next room and instantly kills herself, and Victor laughs about it. And then the next thing we hear, after a really long organ interval, maybe 90 seconds of just organ playing, 
Joan says once again, oh, it's a month after Millie's death, and it's been terrible for me. So she has uh, invited Victor over to end it all. Even now, a month after that night that Victor took me into his arms, I'm confused. How can a person hate Victor as I do and yet, yet love him at the same time? Yeah, they had to throw that in again. How can you? It's a good question. Maybe we should spend the rest of the episode answering that question, which is, you can't. You can't. You shouldn't. This is a kind of horror I could do without. It's not supernatural, but all too real. Jay say, just had to say it again. Voila, Joan invites Victor over and confronts him about his role in Millie's death. You don't feel the slightest twinge of remorse, do you? <laughs> not the slightest, darling. Now, what about changing into an evening gown so that we can do the town? Hmm? Oh, you're heartless. Inhuman. There's no other way out. My dear, whatever are you talking about? This, Victor. <laughs> A gun. Yes, Victor. <laughs> Don't be foolish, my darling. Put the gun away and get dressed. Eh? <laughs> That's a great I could line. hardly miss you at this distance. Well... What are you waiting for? Indeed. Why don't you shoot? Even knowing you're going to die doesn't frighten you, <laughs> does it? <laughs> no, my darling, no. You see, nothing in this world frightens uh -oh. me. Foreshadowing. Not even death. Devil. Oh, you are inhuman. Inhuman. That horrible smile on your face. <laughs> scoffing at me, <laughs> at everyone. Ah, yes, scoffing at everyone. Everything Victor is about to say, I feel, is directed at us, the poor listeners who were sucked into listening to this episode. Uh, Victor's going to unleash his hatred on us, and I think we're going to feel it. <laughs> you live only to hurt and to destroy, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes, I despise you all. Every human being. Your righteousness, your smugness, your futile attempts to achieve happiness. There's nothing I delight in more than to send you down into defeat. Watch your suffer. That at least is honest. It's nice to hear somebody describe so honestly what happened to all of us in this video and why. So we're all victims of the devil too. Just listening to this episode means that we have been dating the devil. Ugh, we've been sucked into it, just like Joan and all the others. Okay, let's barrel through to the end. Why aren't you dead? No one can kill me. No one. Joan. Don't you know who I am? My real name is Harold. Who are you? Look. Look into my eyes. Look deeply. Now do you know with whom you have fallen in love? You... You're... You're the devil! Yes. Yes, darling. The devil himself. Oh, no. No, I... I won't be in love with you. That's your problem? Oh, but you will. Not that you've met you the will. devil. Even though you know who I am, you'll be in love with me forever. What? Forever. That's the problem? Isn't it really going to hell or something? And so ends the tale. My beloved must die. Woo! As it is written in the sealed book. A few days after Joan Sanders had unsuccessfully attempted to kill Victor Duval, 
She suffered a nervous breakdown. When the doctors questioned her, she kept repeating over and over that she'd fallen in love with the devil. Uh, It just goes to organ music at that point. The episode is over. But just like Joan and all the others, even though it's technically over, we are still going to pay the price and bear the burden of having listened to this episode. I don't know what I said about this at the beginning. I can't think back that far. As Victor often says, that's in the past. But if I said this wasn't a terrible episode, I may be reconsidering that now. There's no horror. I mean, I'm waiting for that episode where someone is dating Satan, where it's really scary. I haven't found it yet. I think uh, it may not be possible to do because it's just a lame concept. But that could just be my opinion. But of course, it's my opinion that matters because I am your ghost of radio. And I bring you these episodes and my commentary. And like Joan, you're going to have to listen to me. All right, that's it for now. That was my beloved must die. And we'll hope that next time we pull something a little more enticing out of the cauldron. But hey, it's all part of the big world of horror radio. And once again, the not great episodes make you appreciate the good ones even more, right? That's the lesson we take from it. Hating the bad episodes is just the same as loving the good ones? Oh, man. I'm going to get out of here before I fall into that trap. Until we meet again, everybody stay cool, be happy, see you soon.